second week done on Tasha Prescott with Tasha Prescott Ramblings. So, we got another week down in 2020. How are you feeling? For me, I'm feeling pretty good. I can't really complain. I don't do resolutions. I think I've said that before, but I do set out to do a vision board every January. Oftentimes, I would host a party, invite friends and family over, and, you know, just really help them map out their goals and their dreams and make a board visually. Why? Because there's something that happens in the brain when you take the time to visually see what it is that you want. Try it. Before you knock it, try it. See how you feel about it. See what manifests from it and go from there. But this year, I haven't done it. I haven't done it. I feel like I'm behind. And while it's just, you know, less than two weeks into the new year, I'm already feeling like I'm behind the curve. Who's curve? Who are they? Who set the curve? Who set the level of uh, all of that? All right. Let me tell you something. This is your life. Own it. You set the pace for what it is that you want to conquer, what it is that you want to complete, and you create the plan. So here's the thing. We all have a lot of things going on. I don't know about you, but I just dropped my twins back off at college yesterday. My son is stationed in Georgia, and I have a high school senior senior year here at the house I've got a lot of things going on but after sacrificing a lot over 18 months and having to become a caregiver and pulling business back what I've realized is I got out of balance so even with all of those things going on I needed balance because photography and creating brings me joy and what happened when I had to take it away for a bit I started losing myself and I started just feeling unsettled not enough yeah not enough I'm not one to do the woe is me and I'm not enough I'm quite confident and here I was like what is my purpose what am I doing you know and so I mentioned in the last recording how I had dedicated a lot of my life to my children and here I am about to be an empty nester and I feel like I'm going to be wondering who am I? If you haven't listened to the previous message, I suggest you go back and, you know, get a grip on what I'm about to talk about. So after I listen back to my own message, because I don't plan what I'm going to say. That's why it's a rambling. It's whatever comes out in the moment. But after listening back, I know who I am. I know what my purpose is. The problem was I was sacrificing me for everyone else. Let me repeat that. I know exactly who I am. I know what my purpose is. But I was sacrificing myself to make sure 
everyone else was taken care of. And so I guess uh, what I should have said is, what am I going to do to fulfill my purpose now that I have the time and zero excuses to do it come August? (laughs) So instead of a vision board party this year, I'm focusing on me. What I've realized is I got to get a little selfish to put some balance back in my life. I have to put me first. I have to put my plan in action. And so there will not be a vision party this year. I'm sorry. But please do it for yourself. So as I sit here and I'm addicted to planners, y'all. Like I have so many bullet journals and planners. It's ridiculous. But I'm a visual learner. And so I buy these colored pens and I write everything down and this color stands out for this and this color stands for that and I can visualize things. And so I started doing that personally and professionally, you know, because I do run a business or two. (laughs) And what happened is everything just started to flow like nonstop. Now it's just a matter of execution. So the only person I can blame for not doing what I know I need to do is myself. Come August, I won't have time to miss them so much. I'll miss y'all. I know y'all listening. I will miss them, but I'm excited for once to focus on me, to develop me, to grow me. I'm 40. And I've been mothering since I was 18. It's time. So I want you to take this message and really think, how are you going to focus on your next moves in 2020? Until then, I'll talk to you next week. This is Tasha Prescott. You guys have an amazing week. Bye-bye. Hey, 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 welcome to the Ramblings with Tasha Prescott. I am so glad that you have taken the time out of your busy schedule to join me on Ramblings. You never know what's going to happen, but I hope something resonates with you large enough for you to share and come back and visit again soon. Enjoy. Testing, testing. Hello. This is Tasha Prescott with The Ramblings. I know. I was doing so great and showing up every week. And then I fell off. (laughs) But I'm coming to you with a very serious and important message today. Um, Today is February. um, What is today? February 11th. 2020. And this is probably going to be the hardest podcast that I will have shared thus far. Actually, I know it is. And I'm not going to release it today. I'm going to release it next week um, after I head out to Jamaica to shoot the brown wedding in the grill. Why am I waiting that long? I don't want to release this podcast and my bride and her family be worried or nervous 
because of what I'm about to say. So I'm going to give this to you in the context of I'm already gone to Jamaica, all is well, and now it's time to have a serious conversation. On last week, I woke up, my heart rate had dropped to 32, my Apple Watch, and for clarity, I have an Apple Watch 4, had gone off and said, hey, low heart rate alert. Now, mind you, my resting rate is 45 to 47, and I know that's low, but that is my resting rate. So 32, I didn't think anything of it. I mean, I was asleep, my watch went off, I woke up, it went right back to 45, no big deal. So we're gonna fast forward to early Saturday morning. I was lying in bed and texting with my friend and texting with my sister. And I all of a sudden felt different. And I remember saying, man, my heart feels like it's racing. I'm just laying in bed, guys. I'm not doing anything. I'm just laying in bed. It's about 8 a.m. I haven't even gotten up yet. haven't even gone and brushed my teeth yet, to be really honest with you. And I looked at my Apple Watch, and my heart rate said 154. And I took a picture, and I sent it to my sister. And I said, hey, look at this. My heart is racing. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just laying in bed. That's so crazy. Continued our conversation. And she had to go and uh, talk to a friend of mine for a little bit. And my heart rate still stayed up. And so after I got off the phone, I started to pay attention to my watch. And every minute it was going up. 154, 162, 168, 170, 183, 190, 194, and then 203. My watch buzzed, it alarmed, said AFib. Now, oddly enough, a week ago, a client of mine posted how his heart had gone into AFib. He was in the gym running on the treadmill and just fell out. They had to use a defibrillator on him in the gym. And I was like, man, this dude is a soldier. He's healthy. That's so crazy. So when that came up on my watch, I got up. And I started heading to my daughter's room. She was the only one home. And I knocked on her door and I said, Akira, come here. I need you to feel my heartbeat and see if it's racing to you. She's like, Mama, what are you talking about? I was like, I just need you to feel my heartbeat. So I showed her where to put her two fingers on my neck. And she's like, I don't feel anything. So I moved and she's like, oh, my God, what did you do? And I said, I didn't do anything. Okay, so. It is racing because my watch said it was. I felt it. I'm out of breath. I'm not sweating. I'm not having chest pain. So I'm not alarmed, but I am. But being that it's just the two of us at home, I'm staying really calm. Now, let me give you a little bit of backstory. The night before, my daughter came to my room and she's in tears and she's hysterical and I'm like, what's wrong? And she's like, I had a really bad dream. I had a really bad dream about great grandma. And I, she climbed in my bed and I just wrapped my arms around her, kept my hand on her back and until she went back to sleep. So as this is happening, 
I'm thinking back to my childhood and how I had dreams that were like premonitions and I would see things. And, you know, at that point, I wasn't alarmed still. So I was like, hey, run downstairs and get the blood pressure cuff. And let's let's see what my blood pressure is, because this this doesn't feel right. And I tried to get a read. It wouldn't read. I tried again. It wouldn't read. Now, I'm still watching my watch and it had went down to about 140 and then it went back up to 190 and then it went down to 145 and then it went back up to 194. And I'm like, OK, so maybe my watch isn't tripping. Kira, put my watch on. Let's see if it reads normal for you. Put it on her. It read 70. Um, so I'm like, OK, I go downstairs. I grab my heart rate monitor I use for my Peloton bike and. I flipped my bike on. I was like, turn it on. Let's see what it's reading through the heart rate monitor. And sure enough, it's still elevated. Now I text a friend of mine. I said, hey, what are you doing? She's like, nothing. I was like, okay, I might need you. She's like, what's up? It's like, I might need you to take me to the hospital. My sister had told me to dial 911. I didn't feel like it was an emergency. So I didn't. I mean, I don't have any heart issues. I am healthy as an ox. I eat right. I drink water. I exercise every day. Um, There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with my heart. I am healthy, 40-year-old, active, athletic woman. So I'm like, I'm not calling 911. First off, that's going to be ridiculous. And these people are going to look at me like I'm crazy. So I call my friend and she shows up and she picks me up. I walk outside. I leave my daughter at home because, you know, I'm like, hey, I'll be back. No big deal. As we're riding, I'm still watching my watch and it's hanging out about 157. Guys, still is not normal. It's now been over an hour um, since the initial racing, you know, and I still feel it. I can feel it in my chest. I feel it in my neck. I can feel my heart beating in my head. And I'm just like, hmm, this ain't right. And we get to the emergency room and I walk in. She pulled up to the emergency. She let me out the car so she could go park. I walk in, security lady standing right there. She's like, how can I help you? I was like, I need to see someone. And she's like, who are you trying to visit? And I was like, no, I need to see a doctor. And it was all I said that and I leaned on the counter. Because now it felt like my breath was leaving me trying to explain to them that my heart is racing. And she says, babe, what's wrong? And I said, my heart is racing. And my watch said AFib. And one nurse like, oh, your watch went off. Very sarcastic. Like I I really, she just gave me an energy that I did not like. And she's asking me all these questions. And I'm just like, look, my heart is racing. My resting rate is 45. This is not right and something is wrong. And she's still asking me questions like, well, do you feel anything or your watch is going off? And at this point, I I feel like a certain something is going on, but I don't, with this particular nurse, but I don't want to assume that And I look at the security guard, and I'll never forget this. She looked me in my eyes, and something switched. And she grabbed another nurse, and the nurse um, asked me a couple questions. The other lady told me to go have a seat. And I'm like, have a seat? You know, I'm still thinking, my heart feels like it's about to pop out of my chest. And by the time I sat down for about a minute, my friend was now sitting there, and they called me to the back. 
And so, you know, the intake nurse, a different one, she's like, so what are you feeling? I was like, it's racing. It, it's just racing. And it's been doing this over an hour. And I have a pain in the side of my neck and something is wrong. Something is wrong. I would just remember saying something is wrong. But it's like they didn't believe me. And the nurse, the original one, she says, she says her resting rate is 45. Real sarcastic. And I said, it really is. It's 45. I know what my resting rate is. I work out. I know what my resting rate is. This is my life. I live a very healthy life. I know what my resting rate is. And I started getting upset. And as I got upset, my heart rate started to rise again. And they took me in a room and another nurse, just as sweet as can be, she says, just calm down. We're going to hook you up to this machine and we're going to figure out what's going on. So they hooked me up to all these nodes on my chest and they're doing an echo. And the guy looks at the other nurse and he says, she's an AFib. And I'm just thinking, I told you that and nobody was listening to me. And all of a sudden, it became important to hear me. So I'm going to pause here and grab myself and get myself together because just talking about it now, it hurts. So in the process of this, I'm being asked, did I have any drugs? Did I take something? Did I have an overdose of caffeine? Like, um... What did I take? And I'm like, I was laying in bed. I wasn't doing anything. I don't drink soda. I don't do coffee. I have tea. I haven't had anything this morning. I didn't even have water. And a pain shot through the right of my neck. And I gasped. And the nurse ran and grabbed someone else. And they said, look at this. And it was irregular and it was just all over the place. And one other nurse, her name is Kelly. She grabbed my hand and she said, it's going to be okay. I just need you to calm down so we can figure this out. And they're asking, do I have a history of heart disease? Um, do I have a history of AFib? When is the last time it happened? And I'm like, this has never happened. There's no history. I'm super healthy. All that stuff she's asking, that is not me. Maybe I look a little strung out because I just woke up, but that's just not my life. And so they start asking more questions. And I'm like, I just got off a plane on Sunday. I felt fine. Um, I've been extra tired this week, but nothing crazy. And um, I just felt like no one's listening to me until Kelly, the nurse, came and grabbed my hand. And she says, we're here and we're going to figure this out. And so they started drawing blood. And they started running tests. 
And another doctor came in and he's like, get me an ultrasound right now. And he did an ultrasound to take a look at my heart. And he says, you see that? I see all four chambers. That looks good, but look at that. And you could see it was struggling. It was just all over the place. And it still was at about 145 to 160. And now we're looking at two and a half hours that my heart had been in AFib. And he's like, if it hits 160 again, we're going to have to stop her heart. And I said, what? He's like, look, if this hits 160 again, we're going to have to stop your heart. We'll bring it back. Um, but we, we've got to get this stopped. And, you know, we speak about faith and God and our beliefs. But I promise you, he put in the meds. And my heart self-corrected before they could administer them. And all of a sudden, my heart is reading 52 and 54. I'll tell you, though, my petty card popped up when it popped back to uh, 45. And I said, now, where is Shannon? Because I want her to see. My heart is resting at 45. And the next time somebody tells you this, I'm going to need you to hear them. Because I know my body and I know what I'm talking about. But it doesn't end there. Because on the blood work, my troponin levels were rising. When they did the initial blood work when I arrived, my troponin levels were 0.22. They should not be above 0.05. So mine were elevated when I got there. Um, they did another draw within two hours and they were doubled. So this is definitely a sign of something is going very wrong with her heart. And they just kept rising. The biggest mistake I made was Googling troponin levels. And I see heart attack. And I told my sister, because she had arrived at that point, I said, I'm not Googling nothing else. But I could see on her face as the doctor talked, it had went from something's going on with T to I could see the worry in her face on just how real things were. Honestly, I don't even think it hit me until right now talking about what I went through over the last three days. And so they did more tests and now my troponin levels were at 0.77. And it's like, we got to transfer her. So they put in for a transfer. I waited for the ambulance. Now, mind you, I got there about 1045 that morning. It was now 1045 that evening when uh, the transfer was put in. There was nothing else they could do for me. But they couldn't let me go home. And I was just like, I feel fine now. I feel fine. Everything feels normal. And the nurse said, and you can walk out of here, go into AFib and have a heart attack and die. 
I'm not ready to die. There's so much more in this world for me to do. There's so much more that I know God has purposed for me. And so hearing that, I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm just going to sit back and be quiet. And so the ambulance arrives to transfer me from one hospital to another hospital that had a cardiac unit. And as we're riding in the um, ambulance, the paramedic, his name is Clay. He says, uh, I love cardio. It's always intrigued me. And he starts looking through the chart and he's looking at this and that. And he says, thank God you work out. And I said, huh? And he says, do you realize your average heart would not have withstood this for this long and be here having a conversation with me? Thank God you work out. And I just said, should I have called an ambulance versus my friend picking me up? <laughs> he laughs and it's like, uh, yeah, should have called it. Should have called 911. And he says, the fact that you can talk and, you know, you have all of this going on just really says that you have the heart of an athlete. So they're going to do everything they can to figure out what's happening, because by everything I'm seeing here, this should not be happening to you. But just be grateful that, you know, you live a certain way, you eat a certain way, you work out, you're in great health. Your lab work is textbook perfect. These are all things that are going to play in your favor and you're going to get through this and it's going to be okay. As I'm riding in an ambulance for the first time at 40 years old. So we arrive at the other hospital where the cardiologists are and I got to go through this story again and rude nurse in their emergency department they just willed me in and the paramedic is like look she um she woke up with her heart racing and her watch actually told her she was an AFib and she's like but did you feel anything and I said my heart was racing yes I did my heart was racing and I had a pain shooting down through my neck and I'm thinking do I really have to go through this again you know and I'm like I'm done talking I'm done explaining. You can tell her whatever you want to, but you got the chart from the other hospital and you're not helping me right now because right now you're upsetting me. And so they took me to an observation room and said, your room would be ready soon. And I'm like, wait, what? And it's like, oh yeah, you're being admitted to the cardiac unit. And I'm thinking my heart rate is good now. Like, wait, what do you mean? And so I was admitted. I spent the next two days in the cardiac unit. I'm on no medication. My heart rate self-corrected. It never went back to those rates, although it did have a couple notches of a irregular rhythm that was a little alarming. Um, I've gone through a stress test. And uh, that alone, they stressed me out. They was like, look, we're hydroponin levels, where they are, cancel the stress test. We need to do a heart cath. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are we talking about? What is that? And so they're like, wait, we're going to go talk to the cardiologist and see what he says, because there's no history. So we don't want to do too invasive. And, you know, her heart is already 
experienced damage. And I'm like, what the heck? You know, people talking around you and all their medical jargon and instead of talking with you, it's it's scary. And here I am just trying to stay big and stay strong and, you know, not panic. Not panic because I have a family that is depending on me. And I have a bride that is expecting me in Jamaica in 10 days. In 10 days. Is my heart okay? Can I fly? And I know some of you are probably sitting there like, that should have been the last thing on your mind. But I'm a professional This wedding has been on my books for, I don't know, nine, 10 months. I'm going to show up because that's what I do. And so those troponin levels kept rising and I'm just like, can I go home? No. I'm like, what is it going to take to get me out of here? I feel fine. I'm not on any medicine. And at this point, they're drawing blood every two hours to the point I had no more veins. They couldn't take it anymore through my IV. They only do that in the emergency room. I had no more veins. Right now, I look like I've been shooting up drugs. I have bruises up and down both arms. I have bruises all over my chest, my stomach, on my leg, because I had heart nodes all over my body from where they were monitoring my heart nonstop. Mind you, when I sleep, my heart drops in the 30s, low 40s. Um, and it dropped and it dropped really low. And in the middle of the night, um, you know, you're in a hospital in a cardiac unit. So that machine is blinking red and sounding off. Y'all know they come running, right? So let's just say I had no sleep the entire time. So now I'm scared. I'm exhausted and they don't know why. That's the scary part. They don't know why. So, you know, when you have a why, You can try and prevent it from happening again. You know what to look out for. You know what not to do, but they just don't know. And so I started negotiating with the doctor. I was like, look, okay, so my heart seems fine. It seems like a one-time deal. What do I need to do to get out of here? Because I feel like the hospital is making me anxious and That's obviously not good. You're telling me not to panic. You're telling me not to stress. But this is this is adding to it because you won't let me leave. And so he says, if the troponin levels start to go down, we'll talk about it. But I need you to stay tonight. We're going to test them again tonight. We'll test them again in the morning. And so when they tested that night, it was at seven point. It was at point seven nine. And that was not going down. So when they test again, it was at 0.774. And I was like, whoo, it's going down, right? It's like barely. It's still well over release type rates. And so stress test was good. Echo was good. Um, what else is there to do? They're like, this, she's completely healthy. This is, uh, you know, baffling. And so that morning they were at um, 0.71. And at that point, he says, I could go. Um, I'll follow up with a cardiologist on the 24th of February when I return from Jamaica. Now, I know that took a whole lot, and it was probably way longer than what I want it to be. But I want you to understand some very important things that were said to me that I want you to hear me on this. 
Number one, thank God you're healthy. Number two, thank God you eat the way you eat. Thank God you drink water. Thank God you work out. Your heart is well conditioned. This low heart rate is not an accident. That is conditioning. And you have the heart of an athlete. Your average person's heart would not have withstood what yours has for the amount of time that it did and still be standing. If you don't understand that, let me put it real clear. It is time to stop playing with your life. It is time that we buckle down then do right. It's time we eat right. It's time to clean up the diet. It's time to make time to walk or run or bike or whatever you need to do to be active and to build your body up versus tearing it down. I would not be here if it were not for the way I live. I'm going to say it again because it's not a joke. I would be dead. Seriously, that's not me. That's not an exaggeration. That is three cardiologists and two doctors and a nurse. Thank God I live the life that I live. Now, if you've listened this far, I hope that this message encourages you to do better. Baby steps, I'll take them. Hey, Tasha, I walked a half a mile today. I promise you I'm going to clap you up because that half a mile could be what saves your life. So why am I releasing this today? I'm releasing this today because I know a week from now when you hear this, I am perfectly fine. God has blessed me. I am in Jamaica shooting the most amazing, beautiful wedding and I get to tell a story that somebody else would not have been able to tell because they were not living the lifestyle that I live. February is Heart Health Month. I've been sharing red lips all month long because I lost a good friend of mine. And all I could think about was him when all of this was happening and All I could think about was my kids. I don't want to die. These tears are not of fear. They are of gratitude. I am so glad that six, seven years ago, I woke up and decided to change my life. I'm so glad that... I changed how I eat. I'm so glad that my exercise and my eating is a non-negotiable because it saved my life. I'm so glad that I'm a gadget girl and I don't mind spending four or $500 on a watch when people be like, I want an Apple watch, but it's too expensive. My Apple watch saved my life. The funny thing is I never sleep in my watch and I had my watch on. I would not have listened to the fact that I felt my heart racing if I didn't see the number. My watch saved my life and I think my my life is worth $500. Is yours?
This is Tasha Prescott. This rambling is the longest that you have ever received from me, but it's important. And I hope and pray that you'll share it. But more than that, I hope that it encourages you and motivates you to change your life, to eat right, to exercise, to drink water, to do better. And if you're an African-American woman, it is necessary because we are dying from heart disease at alarming rates. We don't have to. This is Tasha Prescott. I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening.